Eagle Vision's production of Taken, the podcast, deals with mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Tanya Brooks was a mother of five, a daughter, and a sister. She was 36 years old on May 11, 2009, the day after Mother's Day, when her body was found in a school window well in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Tanya had last been seen alive the night before walking on Gottagen Street, being followed by a group of people. At any time during this podcast or afterward, if you have any information that might help solve the case of the murder of Tanya Brooks, visit our website. Someone out there has answers. Our goal is to find them. Who was following Tanya that night? Why would someone want to do her grave harm? What happened to Tanya Brooks? Tanya was a member of the Millbrook First Nation, a Mi'kmaq community on the east side of the province of Nova Scotia. Band membership is less than 2,000, with less than 1,000 living in the community, which includes land in Melbrook, Coal Harbor, Sheet Harbor, and Beaver Dam. The land is touched by water, and fishing is a major part of the economy. It is a contrast to the city of Halifax, where Tanya lived as an adult. Halifax is a rich maritime community, which offers old-world charm, historic attractions, shopping, dining, and nightlife. Gottagen Street, where Tanya was last seen, is traditionally a diverse and gritty street that has experienced somewhat of a gentrification over the past few years. There are several support organizations for people who are struggling with homelessness, addiction, or mental health issues, including the nearby Salvation Army and Mi'kmaq Native Friendship Center. The people who live on and around Gottagen Street care about their neighborhood. Circumstances throughout Tanya's life would at times separate her from her family, but Mother's Day was always special to her. As her daughter CJ remembers, Tanya made a point of making sure that her kids knew that. She texted me and she said to me, hey, tomorrow's Mother's Day, you better give me a call or a text. And so I called her and I was like, hey, happy Mother's Day, Mom, I told you I would I would call you. CJ had to cut that conversation short, but something didn't feel right, so a second call was made. I felt really horrible, and I had this really gut feeling. I was like, you know what, I'm going to call her again because I want to talk to my mom. So I, uh, I tried to call. No answer. On Monday, May 11th, the day after Mother's Day, Tanya's sister Vanessa drove by a crime scene at St. Patrick's Alexandra School in North Halifax. And I remember driving down Gottagen Street and I just, I seen all the pleas and all the tape and I'd, I'd said a prayer. I found out just before the 10 o'clock news that it was my sister. You don't forget the day, that's, you just, you don't forget the day and you don't forget who told you. Detective Jason Withrow from the Halifax Regional Police is the team commander in Tanya's case. Uh, the case of Tanya Brooks, uh, she's a 36-year-old Aboriginal female uh, who was a victim of a homicide. Uh, this happened in May uh, 2009. 
Uh, it's a few years ago, but it's still a very active case. 820 was the last reported time that we actually knew where she was at. As the investigation unfolded, uh, a witness came forward um, indicating that there's a group of people uh, following somebody in the area of uh, uh, St. Pat's Alexander School. Tanya was brutally murdered, and her body was discarded in the window well of St. Patrick's Alexandra's school. Her death was a devastating loss for her family, especially for her mother, Connie, who was very close with Tanya. Tanya's younger sister, Vanessa, remembers how close she and her siblings were as kids. We come from a family of four. She was the oldest of us four. Two boys, two girls. We'd play outside and climb trees, run around in the cemetery because nobody else wanted to play in the cemetery. And we live right next door to the cemetery, so it tends to keep everybody away from us. Tanya and Vanessa love to play, and they love the simple pleasure of being sisters. Well, we like to color. We like to play Barbies. We love paper and Barbies. We always wanted the Barbie van, and we got the Barbie van. And we got the Barbie swimming pool. That was too cool. Being a big sister came with a lot of responsibilities for Tanya, and taking care of Vanessa was one of them. One of our favorite movies, and even to this day, is still Annie. The sun will come up tomorrow. I bet you what I'm talking Yeah, she would, she would often sing that to me especially if I got scared at night. Growing up and into her adult life, it wouldn't take much for Tanya to laugh. She had such an infectious laughter. But as Tanya grew up, she wasn't the same as she used to be. Something had a hold of Tanya, something her sister Vanessa recognized early on. So things started changing with Tanya around I don't know, 15, 16. Around that time, we started getting into um, just a different lifestyle of things. And she was drinking more, you know. So things kind of got a little bit different that way, that our relationship started shifting from just kind of the way we used to be to just, you'd see that there was two really definitely different roads that we were going to be traveling on then. Tanya had this, this craving. It was, it was probably the curse of, of her whole life. She had this undying need to be loved. And that never really changed, even from a child to like, through her adolescence into her womanhood and just later on as a woman, even right up unto her death. She was just constantly hungry and looking for that that unconditional love, and it exists. She just, she just looked at it in different ways. Being a mother was a real blessing to Tanya, and she adored her children. Her kids always brought her great joy. She loved, she loved watching them grow, and she loved the things that they do. Tanya's battle with addictions throughout her teen and adult years placed her in a tumultuous position and sadly resulted in the apprehension of her children. I know why I was taken away from my mom is because she was having some problems with alcohol. 
but Tanya's daughter, CJ, remembers her mom's good qualities. My mom was a very pleasant woman. She was very nice to everybody. She taught me at a young age, well, a couple things she taught me, hands aren't for hitting and feet aren't for kicking. She taught us respect. She, she taught us what she could. Tanya also had a very special gift that CJ admired. She was very artistic. She would do dream catchers. She was teaching art classes, like some arts and crafts. Throughout her struggles, Tanya also faced abuse. Many other Indigenous women fall victim to abuse and struggle with addictions. Cheryl Maloney from the Native Women's Association of Nova Scotia has been working with the East Coast communities for years and has seen the impact of Canadian history on Indigenous women and girls. The issue of, of violence and, and, you know, tragedy and the situation with Aboriginal women and girls, um, it goes back further than just today, and it goes back to the residential school colonialism and centralization um, is a big issue here for, for our people. The number of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls across Canada has reached epidemic proportions, taken from loved ones, torn from their families. Tanya was one of them, and her loved ones need your help. Tanya was last seen on the night of her murder being followed. Who were the people following Tanya? Who was the witness or witnesses who saw Tanya, and could they have information that could lead to justice? With more than a decade having passed since Tanya's body was found, can there ever be justice in Tanya's case? Mother's Day, May 10, 2009, was the last time that anyone had seen or spoken with Tanya Brooks. A day meant for celebrating became a nightmare, and an eerie premonition still haunts Tanya's daughter, C.J. Brooks. I had a really bad dream that my mother was being chased by guys around my school, and it played over and over and over again in my head, and I tried to stop it every time but I couldn't. And uh, little did I know, a few years after that nightmare is exactly what happened to my mother. Vanessa struggles with why a call wasn't made to 911 after her sister was seen on the street. He had said that he had seen my sister going towards the school. He seen a woman looking over her shoulders, walking pretty fast. And there's three people behind her following. And he decided to call his sister and said, I need to move from here. I'm afraid for my life. You are afraid for your life when you're behind a locked door in a secure building and you're watching a woman, and it just, this particular woman happens to be my sister, who looks afraid. But you call your sister instead of calling 911. I know what I hear and I know there's speculation that, you know, there's a hit put on her for $2,000.
because she was going to testify against the guy that uh, had just beat her. He beat her bad enough that he broke bones. He broke her shoulder. He pretty much killed her. She had died twice on the way to the hospital and then brought her back. She was still suffering from head injuries just before her murder. Cheryl Maloney of Nova Scotia Native Women's Association has heard of Tanya's case and believes there are people out there who have answers they have not yet shared. Tanya Brooks is a case that it feels like everyone knows what happened to her. People go into the, the county jail and they know. They have, they, they know. People will come out of jail and they said, so-and-so knows what happened to Tanya. So Tanya's case is a really, really difficult case because people know and nobody's speaking. Detective Jason Withrow, who is working on Tanya's case, agrees that the silence needs to be broken to bring justice for Tanya and protect others still in danger. Generally, the investigators have a very good idea who's responsible for causing the death. Um, the thing is to get those people to come forward. We just can't work on rumors and speculation. We need the, the evidence to back things up. And a lot of times the evidence comes from the witnesses or the people that know the perpetrators of these crimes. It's about getting those people to come forward. The trauma of losing a loved one to murder is incomprehensible. So many families and communities face this tragedy day after day, each grieving in their own way. She went a traditional funeral and um, we had the drums um, and we walked, we walked up the church. They drove, we followed behind her to take her home. In her work at Nova Scotia Native Women's Association, Cheryl Maloney tries to offer support to the loved ones of missing and murdered women and girls. If there's one thing I could give families that I know is not there, is um, healing. They, a lot of families um, never recover. Tanya's daughter, CJ, has a special way of healing. I keep my mom's memories alive every day. When you lose a loved one, you don't feel like you actually lose them because you feel like they're always there. And I talk to my mom every once in a while when I feel like I want to, when I feel like I need to. Just the other day, I needed my mother and I spoke to her spiritually. And I felt like I, I felt better about talking to her because I feel like I'm still, I'm still there with her. She's still there with me. Sadly, Tanya's mother, Connie, passed away in 2015 before she was able to see justice served for her daughter. They had a very, very tight bond. They were completely the yin to each other's yang. And uh, when my mother lost her, she lost herself. You know? I think most people don't realize that. Murder doesn't bring families together, it divides them. And we lose. We don't just lose the loved ones, but we lose what's left behind. Tanya Brooks' case is still very active, and someone out there could be the key to finding justice for Tanya and her family. 
Somebody knows what happened to this mother of five, a sister and daughter who was dearly loved and missed. If you know anything, visit our website. How did Tanya's case inspire her community to take a stand for Tanya and all the other missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls? Will Tanya's legacy go beyond her tragic murder and justice being served in her case? Tanya Brooks' murder remains unsolved, but her family, the community, and the police, including Detective Jason Withrow, aren't giving up. The investigation of Tanya Brooks has been ongoing for a while now. Right from the beginning of her investigation, we treated it as suspicious, and we soon determined to be a homicide. But our ultimate goal is to get people in the community to come forward and break that cone of silence because their help will get us to finding out who's responsible for what happened to Tanya. Tanya's younger sister, Vanessa, agrees. Somebody knows something. I know somebody knows something. She was my big sister, and she didn't deserve this. Nobody deserves this. I ain't going anywhere. And if I go, I ain't going down without a fight. So, you know, it's it's too important of a cause to my family, but for all the other families that are out there that are suffering. And if this, them being able to see somebody that says, I'm not afraid, that might just give them the strength to say, I'm not afraid. Even Cheryl Maloney of Nova Scotia Native Women's Association knows that the key is for the people who have answers to come forward. Police know quite a bit. Um, lots of people know quite a bit about it. Myself, I got a call at my home um, by an anonymous guy, and he said, you have to keep pushing. In honor of Tanya and other missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls, a march is held on Mother's Day weekend through the streets of Halifax, retracing Tanya's final steps. Tanya's sister, Vanessa, shares the details. There's a memorial walk every year on Mother's Day. We, um, we do a walk from the Halifax police station to the Friendship Centre. We're building up more supporters. You don't have as many. Um, that you'd certainly like, but it's not so much about the numbers, it's about the people that know her. And as long as you're coming out because you know her and you've respected who she was or what she'd done for you in her life, then that's what this is for. Tanya's mother, Connie, was always at the forefront of honoring her late daughter. As Vanessa recalls, Connie was able to commemorate Tanya's birthday one last time before she passed away. Birthday's the 28th of May. And this was actually the last, uh, the last walk our mother was at and got to release the balloons for her. Tanya's daughter, CJ Brooks, is proud to be involved in her mom's walk. I walked not only for my mom, but for others. I went on for them to realize that they're not alone. They shouldn't feel like they're alone. 
they shouldn't feel like there's nobody that cares because I cared about my mom very much so. So I did that for my mother and for my family and them. The whole community is involved in Tanya's case. Many people who care about Tanya long for closure, including Cheryl Maloney of Nova Scotia Native Women's Association. I wish we could lay her to rest peacefully, to find justice, to, to solve this murder and get justice for their family so that they could lay Tanya to rest. Tanya Brooks' legacy will never be forgotten. My mom, Tanya Brooks, I'm very proud of her for giving me and my brother's life. You know, I really wish she was still here to be with us today, to see how I've grown, to see how the boys have grown, that she was the most amazing person to me. She meant a lot. Vanessa is frank about her relationship with Tanya and raw in expressing her unending love for her late sister. We had a, and I know she'd agree, we had a, a trying relationship. But we loved each other and that, that'll never stop. And nobody can take that from me as hard as they try. If you have any information about the murder of Tanya Brooks, visit our website. In the next episode of The Taken Podcast, we meet the family of Emily Osmond, a 78-year-old woman who disappeared mysteriously from her remote property, leaving her loved ones to search for over a decade. Emily's story breaks many false assumptions and negative stereotypes of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. Indigenous women and girls don't just go missing from urban high-risk neighborhoods. They could go missing from anywhere, anytime. For more information about the Taken series, resources, or to share information or tips you may have about any of these cases, visit our website at takentheseries.com or download the free Taken Knowledge Keeper app for iOS or Android. Taken, the podcast, Tanya Brooks, was written by Jackie Black and Rebecca Gibson. It was produced by Hannah Johnson, Tyson Karen, Linda Nelson, Norm Lucier, and Martin Davis Kinnack. Executive produced by Kyle Irving and Rebecca Gibson, and hosted by executive producer Lisa Meaches. Taken, the podcast, was produced by Eagle Vision in 2020. For a full list of credits, visit our website. To watch full episodes of Taken, the television series, visit aptn.ca. Funding for Taken, the podcast, provided by the Government of Canada through Women and Gender Equality Canada.